Welcome to Sports, 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 the injectable disinfectant of sports and culture. Coming to you from independent remote quarantine locations. With me tonight, my co-host, the exclamation point, the passionate one, Reed. Good evening. And the question mark, the man who cares nothing about sports or personal hygiene, Rowdy. <laughs> Greetings. <laughs> and in the middle, the period, my name is Snoop Gentleman. Episode 137. How are we? I'm feeling Doing great, man. Good. Yeah. Yeah, having a great week. Um, just excited to talk sports once again with uh, with my buds. So, yeah. Yeah. And Reed, you had an interesting day at the office today, right? With this uh, squirrel. Uh, yeah, oh, what happened? yeah what's this, man. What's this video you're sending around? I was standing in the kitchen uh, getting ready to cook some breakfast. Drinking some so coffee. what is it, like 4 p.m.? It was like, I don't know, 11. <laughs> and uh, uh, this uh, the squirrels are always jumping off the roof of my house onto my bird feeders. And so I'm always like knocking on the window, scaring them off and everything. They're doing what, parkour. That's yeah, parkour. There was this uh, squirrel on top of the feeder, so I went and knocked on the window, and he, like, kind of starts jaw or it. I don't know what if it was a male or female. It starts, like, uh, wrestling around, but it doesn't jump down. So I open the window, and I'm like, hey, get out of here. Get out of there. <laughs> and it doesn't and do anything. And like, check it out, old man Marley. Yeah. And I got then, the old man yelling at me again. That's right. And then I just stand there for a minute and watch it, and I realize that, it's hanging upside down, eating out of my bird feeder, but it can't get down because its tail is wedged between the pole and one of the hooks that the bird feeder is on. It's like slid down in there. So I go out my back door and I'm kind of looking at it and he's just kind of looking at me and I try to scare it off and it just like starts freaking out and its tail's stuck in there. And it's like hanging upside down. So I went and got a broom and I just like jostled it, its tail loose <laughs> And it jumped down and just kind of looked at me like, are we doing this? And I was like, get out of here. And it ran and went up a, uh, went up a tree. And then I come back inside. And not five minutes later, I look out, and there it is again, right on top of there. And I thought, dude, you're on your own this time. Fool me once. That's it. <laughs> Do you, they bud? So they can't get up the pole, so they actually jump from the roof. They jump from the roof on onto the – yeah, I need to put some spikes on it or something. Yeah. Yeah. So you end up with impaled squirrels that you have to well, deal no, with? Hopefully just one impaled squirrel. And, and you, th you think that the others the will watch and learn The message will spread. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had to remove a uh, dead squirrel that had frozen to my tree in my backyard once. What? That was cool. So what I think happened, this is my working theory. This, this, this show has already taken a weird turn. The squirrel was like, <laughs> this was like a flattened squirrel. And there was also a tree. Well, there was also a plastic bag in the tree. So what I think happened was maybe a little breath play. someone someone used a yeah. plastic bag to pick up a roadkill squirrel and then tossed it sling 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 wise over our fence and and it landed in our tree where it proceeded the bag got stuck up high and then maybe the squirrel fell down and this was in winter 
So I didn't notice it until like, cause it was like covered in snow. And then um, one day I was like, what is that? And, and it was a, just a squirrel tail. And then I realized the whole body was there. So I was like, well, I guess I got to get this thing off. But I ended up having to pry a frozen squirrel off of our tree. Cause I wanted to get it before it like warmed up. You're telling me that your neighbors <laughs> in your neighborhood, some neighbor is Trey, is Trey Boucher and dead squirrels just around the neighborhood. I said it was a working theory. I don't know. Um, but I can't figure out. I mean, the only other thing I could think of is that that was a roadkill squirrel that a hawk picked up. Oh, dropped. And then it. dropped. Maybe it was in our tree. Actually, that theory how makes high, a lot more sense. How high was it in your tree? Uh, it was like on the, uh, I don't in know, the like eye, eye level in the crotch. Oh, that tree okay. in your backyard that you've since cut down? Yes. So, I mean, so there's a possibility that the the bag and the squirrel had nothing to do with each other. Correct. Yes, and I also have spotted red-tailed hawks literally like on on our fence right by where this happened. So that might oh. actually be a better working theory. Um, man, thanks for helping me, uh, yeah. workshop this. Like we, yeah. you're most welcome. I kind of like the first one. I like yeah. the idea of like a bunch of 12 year olds running around with a yeah. balloon, balloon catapult shooting dead squirrels. <laughs> yeah. Launching squirrels around Never the know. neighborhood. He's not going to notice this for months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to our sports podcast once again, folks. Uh, clearly we stay on topic at all times go ahead give us that like that subscribe while you're on your podcast app uh let's get this started hey rowdy hey how about some sports what how about some sports what oh sports sports um well do you guys want to talk about the draft for the nfl for the season that's not going to happen or like i don't know i'll tell you what i want to but my internet right now is uh, decidedly slow. So, uh, we'll, we'll I got you. I got your talk back. About, talk about the draft here. So the draft took place last Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, it was the first virtual NFL draft in mm. in history. Uh, evidently, the NFL sent a lot of the top players a box of goodies that includes some headphones and a camera and a monitor and all kinds of action uh, so that they could uh, set up a camera in wherever they were in their homes or living rooms or whatever uh, so we could get some live footage of them uh, as they got drafted. So just real quick, first couple, five, six picks. Uh, we got Joe Burrow going to the Cincinnati Bengals, Chase Young out of Ohio State going to the team in Washington. Uh Jeff Akuja, cornerback out of Ohio State. Uh, another poison nut goes to the Lions. Andrew Thomas, guard out of Georgia, goes to the Giants. And Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback out of Alabama, goes to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Snoop, your boy, yes, Jalen Hurts. Uh, yeah, don't want to talk about it. Okay, let's go. Uh, let's get into it. Let's rip the band off. going to, surprisingly, uh, going to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles, yeah, uh, yeah. No. At number fifty-three, pick number fifty-three in the second round, um, where they already have a hundred million dollar man uh, in yep. the starting lineup. Rarely does he finish a season, 
Perhaps yep. that is uh, part of the reason they sniped uh, your boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really thought yeah. Indianapolis might get him. Indianapolis could have used him. Indianapolis could have had him, but what? they decided not to take him. Decided not to. Yeah, he was. They were talking about I, from what I had seen, going as low as forty nine to uh, the Steelers. You know, the Colts actually traded up from the forty fourth spot to the forty first spot. And I was like, this is happening. It's going to happen. All my dreams are going to come true. They picked up Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, the running back. I mean, all-time great. All-time great. Sure. Wisconsin puts out a bunch, you know, Ron Dane. Uh, uh, But I just don't – I don't know why they didn't – I don't know. I wish they would have gone with my guy. And then not only that, why Philadelphia? That's what hurts me the most. He's not going to be able to do anything for the next year or two. Well, uh, or until Wentz gets hurted again or gets mono. Yeah. Want, are we worried about mono, the kissing disease? I don't know. Uh, yeah, that just broke my heart. I just don't get it. Um, but, you know, I, it, it puts a damper on my, uh, my spirits and, and my outlook for what his, his uh, career could have been. Because yeah. I was, you know, I, I compared him a lot to Russell Wilson in that he had a lot of the same um, career trajectory, changing to a different school, uh, becoming more accurate, changing to a different system, and then going. What I was hoping would happen is he would go to a place where he could then compete for a job. That's not going to happen. I don't see that happening in Philadelphia yeah. for the next year. Or so. Do you yeah. think he'll kind of have a Taysom Hill role like uh, in New Orleans, that they'll have packages for him? I mean, he had 43 rushing touchdowns. He's a, a champion power lifter. He's a big dude. He can run the ball. He's huge, yeah. You think yeah. – I, I could see them using goal line packages, sweeps, quarterback sneaks, things like that with him. Yeah, it's just I, – I could see that happening. I think that that's just placing him in a – placing him in a role that – Yes, he could thrive, but it doesn't use all of his all of his right. talent. You know, he's he's not a bad passer. He's fairly accurate, over sixty yeah. percent accuracy. And his um, long ball did improve uh, at Oklahoma. Right. Give give my man a shot. Yeah, that was that was the biggest uh, that was the biggest shock for me. Um, probably because it was the one I was most interested in watching after it happened. Uh, You're done. I was done. I yeah. pretty much turned it off. I didn't care what happened after that. Uh, yeah, until don't... until Jacob Beeson was picked in the fourth round by the Ugh. Colts. And then, I, Woof. and then I was really done. So. Woof. Yeah. Now, the Colts have a long history of drafting elite running backs and then losing them before they really break out into their prime. Do you see that happening with Jonathan Taylor again? I'm thinking Dickerson, uh, Falk, et cetera. Well, they traded Falk for a die, so I think they did okay. They, they let Falk walk for a die, so I think they went okay there. Yes, we need a, we need a stable running back. So, Marlon Mack, yeah. Jonathan Taylor, that's good one-two punch in either order, the way I look right. at it. Uh, you know that is it is surprising that they won't Taylor. So they from from what I heard, what people were telling me, I'm hearing that they moved, they jumped up past Jacksonville at 42 because they heard Jacksonville was going to take Jonathan Taylor, who mm. they wanted at 44. So they had to jump up, snipe him at 41. That uh, that was was that their first pick? 
that was their second pick. Michael oh, that's Pitt right. They the picked the pick. wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I'm surprised that Frank Reich did that because he typically, well, I shouldn't say typically, in Philadelphia, they really didn't have a bell cow running back. They had a committee, which is what they ran last year. Right. Maybe he's moving away from that. Maybe he's moving in the direction of having a, a back that can do it all and play three downs. Because what's, what, to me, what would end up happening is if you have certain backs that do certain things, the defense would know, okay, when Jonathan Taylor comes in, we should expect these type of play packages. When mm -hmm. Marlon Mack's there, we shouldn't expect him to run out and catch the ball mm -hmm. So from the backfield. So maybe he's thinking if I can get one player in there that does multiple things, then I can trick defenses, uh, at least, or at least disguise what I'm doing against defenses. So, yeah, I think they'll be fine with that. Well, I mean, Phil Rivers had some of his best years when he had the when he had a bell cow running back. So, yeah, what, uh, what we'll see most, what happens. What was most fascinating to me is looking into the homes of the. Of yes, the, I thought of, so too. Of these. Uh, um, coaches and gms and then i don't know was that was that roger goodell's house i don't know but that was unbearable to watch i just i just sent you guys some tweets of uh one is, one is comparing andy reed with cliff kingsbury um it is hilarious so cliff kingsbury is in this like palace with a giant fireplace that's actually like going in his backyard he's it, looks, like, it looks like he's in a james bond villain's home yeah he, exactly yeah uh meanwhile andy reed is sitting with a glass of i'm guessing coke uh with his uh uh tommy bahama shirt on there's like a stairmaster or something Some behind kind of him. nordic track type yeah machine yeah and then we've got like um he does have exposed beams i do like yeah. that yeah that's nice you can't see it in this shot just if you look behind his left elbow you see the hint of like a gray thing behind him um i've seen another angle of his setup and it's like a um like a Playmobil castle or something, huh. um, and then he's got, um, got some, a, got a, some a leather. Down. He's got a leather lazy lazy boy back there, mm -hmm. um, and then a um, uh, like some really weird art above his fireplace. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely <laughs> the, the contrast between Andy Reid's setup and um, who's Cliff Kingsbury? He's the coach of uh, Arizona Cardinals. Okay. So Cliff Kingsbury looks like he's a James Bond villain or set up like a James Bond villain. And uh, Andy Reid, uh, Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl champion Andy Reid, looks like he's in the basement of a very successful entrepreneur who owns about 10 Mike's Jersey subs. Yep. <laughs> like that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're looking at here. And you brought up his drink, and I think we need to – it's it's in a plastic cup, and I mm -hmm. I looked at it for a really long time. Chief's I, cup. I, yeah, I couldn't figure that. I couldn't figure out the coloring of the cup. It, yeah. like, it looks like Coke with then tomato juice. Yes. And, yeah. and a layer of melted butter. Yeah, it looks like something. It looks like a drink that has <laughs> has settled. 
in a, in a, terribly. I was like, um, is, that a, is that an old mango smoothie? I don't understand. Yeah, but it's, it's, I mean, we shouldn't rule any of this out. Right. It was Andy Reid. So I, it, yeah. it, the possibilities, I mean, the, the range of outcomes on what he's drinking are, mm. are large. No. Um, I don't know if you saw Jerry Jones was uh, on his $250 million super yacht. I did notice that. Yeah. Yeah, that Which is I wonder, I, wonder, I wonder how you get your yacht crew to be essential workers this day and age, <laughs> mm-hmm. and to be stuck on a boat with Jerry Jones. Yeah, that's got to be rough. I like. I did, that. I ahead, did notice a lot of uh, the homes of the players uh, were interesting. Some of them just kind of look like regular joints. Other ones look like they were almost in like, uh, a lobby or like a, um, like a clubhouse room in like a condominium neighborhood or a gated neighborhood or whatever. There's a lot of different ones. A couple of them look like they maybe were in a house that the university in which they played at bought for them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, it is interesting in this era uh, over the last few weeks to see inside of people's homes, even if they're yeah. just kind of set up, even news people or whatever. It's what they got going on. It's kind there of was, interesting. There was one uh, prospect who had some sort of setup where they were projecting uh, like a, a Zoom call or something onto the ceiling. Did you see this, trees? No, I didn't see that. It was like a 40 by 30 Zoom call that had hundreds <laughs> of people on it that was being shot at this odd angle where it was like half on the wall and then going kind of up this cathedral ceiling. So it was like <laughs> a story. As you looked up, there was just like 800 people looking down at you. It was That's very awesome. Odd. Yeah. And then, and then there was the TV, like a 32-inch TV to the right that was showing <laughs> Roger Goodell. So... I liked that one. Uh, You mentioned the hats. I just, I was wondering this. So I looked it up. Yeah, they did send a box of hats to every prospect, to every draft prospect. So 30 hats. 32 hats. Or 32 hats, yeah. Yeah. And and there was also, yeah, there was also, uh, so it was more than 1,800 hats. Holy cow. Yeah, to the 57 prospects identified as first-rounders. So only the first-rounders. I wonder how many people got coronavirus packing uh, hundreds of hats to send out. Well, I Mm. did notice that they sent them a bunch of equipment. I forget who it was. I think it may have been Jerry Judy that, like, tweeted out or Instagrammed out a little video of a big old box that he had gotten from the NFL, and it did. It looked like it had all the video gear, a monitor, a bunch of, like, Hats, all. I mean, it was a large, large box that they just, I guess, sent out to everybody. Yeah, and all the, all the, you know, they usually hold up the jersey for yeah. the first round. All those will be distributed at a different time. Apparently, Roger Goodell, saw, he had all thirty-two at, brought to his home and signed all of them so they could be auctioned off as part of the draftathon that was going on. So six mm-hmm. charities got money. I don't know who's paying. Who for, wants that? An autograph, like who specific? Let's get specific here. Not just Roger Goodell, but like who's going to be paying for a Jacksonville Jaguars Roger Goodell signed one jersey? Right. Who's going to be paying for that? Yeah. Why? Why would I spend my money on that? Right. Lame. Now, 
if it was a number seven San Francisco jersey signed Roger Goodell, I might buy that. <laughs> I love it. I might buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was it was an interesting I mean, uh, the draft is not usually that entertaining anyway because it's all just a bunch of uh pomp and circumstance, but mm-hmm. virtually it was even more unwatchable. Mm-hmm. It looked like so many of them didn't have, I don't know, I am fa- I was fascinated by their houses. Like some of them just didn't seem to have a setup. Um, a lot of people at their dining room tables, it looked yeah, like. Yeah, that was weird. Are and some of them, I think, are probably pretty into esports. Yeah. Yeah. We got some yeah. gamer we got some gamers some closet gamers in the in the mix. And a lot of kids in the mix too. Right. right. Kids with the coaches or the general managers mm-hmm. and all that. So right. yeah, it was uh it was interesting. Frank Reich set up coach of the Colts. Um his was down in his basement as well. He had some sort of toy in the background also. <laughs> but what I found what most interesting to him with his setup is I don't know if he can, doesn't know how to use how USB works or what, but he had uh, four computers, four laptops. <laughs> and it didn't, look, it didn't look like he had any anything hooked up to like an external monitor. <laughs> he kept saying, I need more screens. And yeah. so he thinks that means more computers themselves. You can put that on your TV, buddy. Yeah, you can you can hook these up, but I think yeah, he had I counted three for sure. He had three for sure. Uh, Mission control. And, he had a layer, uh, which would just I'm I'm not I'm not an OCD type person, but it would drive me crazy to have three. They were all different brands and different yeah. sizes, and there was no consistent color across them when they when they were shown on the screen, which would just drive me crazy. Yeah. They would, would drive me like, if the bezel would be different and I have two or three sitting next to each other. I'd be like, I can't do this. I yeah. can't. All right, fellas, I think it's time we got to move on here. Um, oh, man. I was having fun. Yeah, we uh, want to talk uh, any NCAA changes coming down the road. I think they've been listening to the podcast. Yeah, so let's do this real quick. This could get serious. And that's the last thing we want for this podcast. The NCAA <laughs> is, is, is expected, now it's not for certain, to allow athletes to profit off their names, image, and likeness starting in 2021. So By they came profit, out, do you mean predict the future? No, with an F, F not PH. Yeah. <laughs> okay, gotcha. That's hard. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to tell yeah. orally. I think yeah. they have been uh, orally, yes. I think they have been uh, listening to the pod. Yeah. Uh, although they're they're not really any good specifics on this. Is that right? Mm-mm. That's right. They're just they're just guard guardrails at this time is what they just want. Just the to way institute. they want it. Yeah. Which is uh, it it's it's oddly uh, non-specific in a specific way. Like what you yeah. can't. We know what it doesn't look like, but we don't know what. I mean, because there are a bunch of old white men. Who are like, well, you know, we want them to be able to make money off of them being influencers, but they don't even know what that term means or how it works. So, and they they brought this out. Uh, Gene Smith from Ohio State had a conference call, and he said that they can make money as a digital entrepreneur, but what? And then he says, "quote What and who can be a digital entrepreneur? If I do a deal with Panera Bread." That's hint number one of who you're talking to. White people! <laughs> and I do two likes. 
on social media and they pay me $50,000 for that, I'm not so sure that's in the realm of what we're talking about. Okay, bro, so, no one's getting 25K for a like. That, some of these, <laughs> but some of these influencers do just for like mentioning a product. You may get ten, fifteen, twenty thousand yeah. dollars $20,000. So sure, we want you to be this this, you know, digital entrepreneur, this social media influencer, but we don't want you to get paid like a social media influencer because, uh, you know, what if you talk about somebody that gets money from Chick-fil-A to sign, I don't know, Bibles or something like what with Polynesian sauce, with Polynesian sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chick-fil-A is a huge sponsor of the NCAA. Right. So particularly football. It's kind of muddying the water, right? Like, well, the NCA would have no have it no other way, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's and, just make this complicated as we can, right. and then when you guys start actually making money, then we're going to go, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. That's yeah. not what we meant by these rules. How is that? Yeah, are you making money off your likeness, or is that an inducement for you to go to school? And really, right. what's the difference? Because Chick Fil A right. is a huge sponsor of the ACC and the SEC. Right. So if Chick Fil A comes to you and says, "We're going to give you fifty thousand uh, dollars to be." To, to eat these nuggets, <laughs> to, to chop on some nugs, but you got to go to Tennessee, like we, or you got to go to this somewhere in the South because we're not in other places. Then right. what are you, what are you going to do? And then the other thing is like when Joe's uh, Joe's water softener uh, out of Tuscaloosa all of a sudden starts dropping a hundred grand for guys yeah. uh, to come hawk some salt. Mm-hmm. Starts to raise some questions, but of course the NCAA hasn't given any guide guidelines on this on what it's. Well, going to look the like. best way to make rules is to allow new things to happen and then change it when you find out that you don't like what's happening. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. And that's and that's how you stay out of litigation in the that's court. That's right. The NCAA doesn't know anything about. Right. Oh, we didn't know they were going to do this. Yep. Yep. So. <laughs> They're allowed to get endorsements, but uh, we don't know what that what that looks like as far as compensation. Uh, but we know what it doesn't look like, which is getting too much money as an right, as an right. And the NCAA will determine that. Then the last quickly. part, yes, exactly. And the last part that I think is in, interesting, well, I'll say two parts, is you can't use the schools' uh, logos or. Uh, imagery in this so like if i'm trevor lawrence i can't i can go in with a generic orange uh jersey but i can't go in with the clemson paul oh so they're still not going to make any money off of um off of jerseys or hats or anything like that anything that's branded with the school they got to do. They, they got to do like jd Byrider commercials i think they do because of that o'bannon versus NCAA ruling like they can make money if the school uses their likeness but they can't sell their own likeness and use the schools oh well there it is the paternalistic business relationship that we've all been waiting for yeah 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 yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like um, the NFL Players Association or MLBPA where you know if you, you the player themselves can go out and sign a deal to sell like if I'm I'm going to, Rowdy, I'm going to name a baseball player. If I'm Chris Bryant and I can go out and sell Chris Bryant shirts, 
but I can't say Chris Bryant Chicago Cubs. Uh, Got it. Makes cool. sense. Yeah. Makes kind of like little... getting a uh, signed jersey from Roger Goodell. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Cool. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Neat. So, did you play here? No. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but that does, to me, introduce the possibility because of this is a similar model to the Players Association that we could see unionization in the future. Let's do it. Which would which would bring back NCAA football for PlayStation, and I think that gets. Us oh back to yeah, yeah, yeah. That so does. They can't. The reason this came up in in this whole discussion, and from what I've been reading, what people are telling me, what I'm hearing, is that it would be too much of a burden, too much effort to go around and get um, agreements from all players that they wanted to put into the game. Whereas like with the NFL and players association, they can sign one deal with the, with MLB. Right. Well, they can't with do the that. Union. They can sign one. Yeah. With the players union, yeah. they can sign one agreement. They can't do that with the NCAA. So until they unionize, we're not going to get a new NCAA uh, college well, football. All those, all those guys at what was the school that tried to unionize Rutgers? North, Northwestern. Or Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. They kind of jumped the boat, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to happen. So it's not going to happen this year. Um, and who knows what it's going to look like. Uh, you know, we'll probably get, we being me as a college athlete, we'll probably get uh, the guardrails and the guidelines, uh, you know, a week before this rolls out. Well, or they're just going to delay it because of how much money they're going to lose this season. And the argument will be, well, we have to recoup our losses before you guys can get a piece of the pie. Oh, yeah. But they weren't getting a piece of pie that give us. You forget these are students, amateurs. Right. Yeah, they do it for the love of the game. Well, I think, we, yeah, I agree. I think we, uh, with this with this coming about, I think we might see a lot of new unions here in the near future. Yep, yep. So, and right, speaking, so. Speak, speaking of pieces of pie, I think we're getting a, a phone call from our food editor. Uh, uh, hold on one sec. Uh, let's patch him through. I, I got this. I get this. Right. Well, here we are once again with our seven feet of yow with our food editor, Dennis Chu, joining us. Dennis, good evening. Good evening, sir, and to the rest of you other two gentlemen out there. How you doing, yes. Dennis? In the Hello. cyber world. Uh, you surviving down there in Texas or wherever you are, which may or may not be Texas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Texas is getting ready to open back up the day after tomorrow. So, um, yeah. Cool. That's that. That, is, that is that. That <laughs> is that. <laughs> So well, uh, uh, we might not be able to finish this uh, this uh, seven feet of yow story. Just give you guys a heads up. In case there's <laughs> mass death. This might be the last one. Yeah. Uh, well, we're all optimists here, right? If, if, our, if they haven't learned anything about us, our listeners, after, over this time, it's that we're all optimists. <laughs> yep. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, Dennis, I've been noticing this uh, this jersey that hangs behind you in your office as we do these chats. Well, thank uh, you for noticing that. Yeah, it's it's a nice jersey. Uh, 
But I'm not sure about the treatment. Looks a little rough. No, uh, can I weigh in on the uh, framing <laughs> treatment you've got on that jersey there, uh, Dennis? Why don't you go ahead and pack that thing, roll that thing up, send it up here, and I'll get that thing tricked out for you and right back to you, lickety split. Yeah. But then I would lose all DNA DNA evidence I was ever worn. So I'll wear gloves. I'll wear gloves. <laughs> I'm used to wearing gloves. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what's what's the story behind this jersey you got? Well, thanks for noticing. So I actually won this jersey in uh, in one of the uh, many bets I've had with Gail Ming. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a very interesting story. He and I, throughout, throughout the first couple of years knowing each other, we had many, you know, just friendly bets with wagers with each other, right? You know, whether it be uh, who can kick a rock particularly the furthest. This one time we went fishing. And it was not who caught the biggest fish, it was whoever caught the first fish. And it's just, just silly things of that nature, right? And typically they're over <clears throat> who pays for lunch and something small. And uh, his first year in the league was also Michael Jordan's last year in the league. And uh, I was in school at the time, so during the All-Star game, I was not able to attend that year. And the conversation came up between he and I about uh, Michael Jordan's autograph being one of the most difficult autographs to obtain in the NBA. So very confidently, he says, oh, don't worry, I get an autograph from him. I'm like, bet me. I bet you won't. So, which, you know, lets you yada, 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 the bet. The funny story is that we, at a time, we never, we never actually agreed on a wager. It would just, you know, one of those friendly bets with each other. So um, it was several months later. It was not until... Chris, it was not until like one of the breaks I had an opportunity to go down. Uh, I had a chance to ask him, so did you get Jordan's autograph? And he just kind of shook his head very quietly and, you know, uh, almost ashamed of the fact that he didn't. So I, I, I ensued to ask him, what happened? Did you meet the guy, Lisa? You know, like privately? He's like, yeah, I did. I was walking to the locker room. Jordan was walking the opposite direction towards me. So... Jordan played for the East and he played for West, so they were on two separate, two different, two separate sides of the building. But for some odd reason, uh, Jordan was on was on his side of the building. And this is several hours before the game started. And <clears throat> they're passing each other in the hallway, and uh, Yao essentially just stood there, froze. He had his bag with him, you know. He had you know the stuff that he, whatever he wanted to have signed there, and he just froze. And uh, I asked him, so did you say anything to him? He's like. Uh, no, but I did shake my head at him when he said hi to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so starstruck. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. The moral of the story is, uh, you know, uh, yeah, superstars when they meet even bigger superstars, <laughs> such as Michael Jordan, the greatest of himself. His airness, um, you know, uh, he was a kid in a candy shop as well. So, so after that. Um, I laughed about it, you know, I joked with him about it, I made fun of him about it for maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. And then all of a sudden I remember, oh yeah, you owe me something. So I was getting ready to go back to school at this point. And um, uh, the next the next day, so we didn't have an opportunity to go out at lunch for me to kind of rake, rake him on lunch. So I started looking around the room, right? <clears throat> and at the time he had this thing where he never wanted to sign autographs for me because he believed that people who were close to him, whether it be his friends or family members, shouldn't ask him to take pictures with autographs um, because you know um, their motives would be elsewhere. So throughout the years, the first time I ever met him, I got his, I got his autograph. And 
this is the only second thing I've ever gotten from him with his autograph on it. So it would just lay in the gym bag. I'm like, here, sign this. And uh, that was uh, that was my winnings. So thus, the reason why you guys see wrinkles on the jersey, and um, that's the frame right behind me. You never watched it. No, what? It's it's an autograph worn jersey. What would you? Was it worn? It was a war- like, yeah, worn. Yeah, worn. Yeah. Do you mean you wore it or he wore it? No. Why would I care about my DNA? I have <laughs> access to my DNA at all times. Dude, I don't know. Like if I, I ever try to clone myself, I wouldn't need to preserve the DNA for it. I just poke myself <laughs> with a pin. Hey, I don't know. Look, I don't know your life. I'm not trying to judge. Maybe you have a weird thing where you wear it's it's <clears throat> game worn as in you wore it in a game and then had it signed. I don't know. Yes, I wore a Houston Rockets NBA jersey at a park place basketball game. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Church balls. Yeah. 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 It's, it's all we were so now. good. <laughs> all starting to come together. Oh, the memories. Oh, man. No, awesome. So don't, don't wash it because, yeah, we might need to clone Yao Ming. <clears throat> yeah. What, never know. what if one day, you know, to Rowdy's point, right, and we stop, we stop having seven footers in the world because the, uh, you know, COVID-27 or something, and, uh, you know, that killed off all the seven-footers. And now we're, you know, going, we're rapidly going around the world looking for people preserved DNAs of seven-footers so we can recreate them to play in the NBA again. So I would say, I would say <laughs> this to your hypothetical. Mm-hmm. If our, if we had a virus that was killing off seven-footers and our concern was to find more seven-footers, then our priorities are way out of whack. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Snoop, because I thought our country's priority, they're absolutely on par now as it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just one more thing about that treatment, Dennis. You know, ultraviolet light, UV light breaks down DNA. I can solve that problem for you. Yeah, you got to get some museum quality glass on That's there. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We're just adding the ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. You yeah. know it. Yeah. You know it. So, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's awesome. how I ended up with this jersey. Um, and that is the third foot of Yale. That's great. That is that's the third, the third foot of Yale. Foot of Yale. <laughs> well, thank you, Dennis, for joining us again. Uh, stay safe out there in uh, the Lone Star State or wherever you are, which may or may not be the Lone Star State. <laughs> Always a pleasure to be with you, gentlemen, and you guys stay safe as well. All right. All right. Take care. Take care. Right. See ya. Bye. Well, gents, here we are once again uh, with our quarantine cinema, Real Sports, where we are going to talk about a, a sports movie we all watched this week. It was No No, a documentary about Doc Ellis. Rowdy, this was your pick this week. Uh, yeah. Big, I, I got to say, good flick. This was actually like a real film this week. <laughs> it was good. It was really yeah. good. Um, I good way to put it. This was yeah. a real film. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys saw, oh gosh, back um, several years ago, there was a short animation that was done about yes. Doc Ellis. Um, and so yeah, it was it was cool to see kind of the the full uh, the full documentary treatment, but. Um, I guess just to jump right into the, um, I guess, most interesting or funniest story in in the movie, um, Doc Ellis did throw a no-hitter 
when he was he was with the Pirates, right? Yep. Yeah, 1971. Was yeah. this a complete game no hitter? Yeah. Well, yeah, he was the only one who pitched. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, in in uh, in 1970, he he pitched against the Padres uh, under the influence of LSD and also Dexamil and Benzid. Benzedrin, uh, oh, which he's in the uh, clubhouse uh, uh, before heading out to pitch, um, threw a no hitter, um, and well, he lost a day, right? Yes. Like so he the, thought so he had the day off, took some LSD, and then the team called him and said, "Why aren't you in San Diego to play?" And he's like, "I don't pitch till tomorrow," and they're like, "No, you pitch in an hour." Now, he lost a whole right. day. Yeah. Yeah. So he was supposed to, they flew to San Diego where they were supposed to play, but he ended up going to LA to visit a friend and he used LSD. He said two or three times. Uh, and then he, at one point, apparently I, I read that he claimed at one point that the LSD actually came from Timothy Leary. <laughs> Who knows? Um, by the way, the cr- one crazy aspect about this is that the story about, um, him pitching on LSD did not come out for like over a decade. And it was because a, um, a Pittsburgh reporter had a tip from a Pittsburgh uh, pirates fan who was uh, David Lander, who you may know as Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. Oh, Squiggy. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, so if, if, if not for uh squiggy, uh, we would not know this story potentially. Um, but yeah, was, so he, sorry, go ahead. Was squiggy the lone wolf or was that Lenny? Um, I think it was Lenny. I think squiggy the was wolf. the one squiggy was the yeah. one with the hair, but yeah. here's the crazy thing. So this didn't come out. Okay. So I'm putting this together then. So that's insane. Because this didn't come out till the 80s. I thought they said like 1986 or something like that. Or 1989. It was a long long time. So he wrote a book called Doc, or had a biography written called Doc Ellis in the Country of Baseball by Mm -hmm. laureate Donald Hall, who had visited him, uh, visited the Pirates in like 1971 or two. I think it was 71 because it was the year they won the. Worked out with him. And worked out with him. And they became friends. So he said when he tried to publish the book in 1976 that at the time Doc Ellis was with the Yankees and they uh, had they edited the book yeah. so it wouldn't say LSD and some of the, his other crazier stories he had taken they had asked that he take out of the book or edit it out or kind of like they changed it to a cup of coffee or a, the, yeah <laughs> the, the code words instead of a handful of uppers <laughs> yeah. They said, I had a cup of coffee. Yeah, I yeah. took a cup of coffee. <laughs> took a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. Which he later changed in 1989. So I think it seems like this timeline says, Doc, it happened in 70. In 76, he tried to get it out in the book, but it didn't come out until a sports reporter sometime in the 80s reported on it. And then Donald Hall went back and said, yep, that's what he told me. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the timeline is hilarious too. Like you said, Reed. So they, um, it was, I think it was a Thursday that he got to LA from San Diego. And then he, um, took two or three, uh, two or three hits of, of LSD and then woke up and thought it was still Thursday 
took another hit, but it was actually on Friday at noon. <laughs> they were scheduled to play. The game was supposed to start at 6.05 p.m. So his girlfriend reminded him at 2 p.m. that he was scheduled to pitch. So then he flew from L.A. to San Diego at 3, arrived at the ballpark at 4.30 to start the game at 6.05 um, and he and said, to no hitter. Yeah, he uh, walked eight batters and struck out six. And he said, um, I can only remember bits and pieces of the game. I was psyched. I had a feeling of euphoria. I was zeroed in on the catcher's glove, but I didn't hit the glove too much. I remember hitting a couple of batters and the bases were loaded two or three times. The ball was small sometimes. The ball was large sometimes. Sometimes I saw the catcher. <laughs> sometimes I didn't. Sometimes I tried to stare the hitter down and throw while I was looking at him. I chewed, I, <laughs> um, I chewed my gum until it turned to powder. I started, I started having a crazy idea in the fourth inning that Richard Nixon was the home plate umpire, and once I thought I was pitching baseball to Jimi Hendrix, who, to me, was holding a guitar and swinging it over the plate. <laughs> they say I had about three to four fielding chances. I remember diving out of the way of a ball I thought was a line drive. I jumped, but the ball wasn't hit hard and never reached me. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Wait. He came out later and said he regretted that it happened. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's basically the highlight of his career, and he doesn't remember it. Yeah. Or at least, like, he remembers it, but not as it happened for everybody else. Yeah. And he, he claimed that he did not um, that he did not pitch uh, using LSD again, at least during that season. Um, but he did use... Uh, uh, amphetamines or greenies, as as they called them in the in the documentary, uh, and he and he said he 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 never pitched without the use of some drugs. Yeah, he said he was high every time he went out to pitch, yeah. but at the same time, almost everybody in the uh, in major league was on something at some point. That was yeah. pretty interesting. I thought like the so they talked about the greenies, which was Dexamil, uh, so speed pills. And they were saying, what was it like 85, 90% of all players mm-hmm. were, were using them yeah. in, in addition to, you know, all the drinking and everything else that was, um, that was going on. But, um, well, yeah. I've heard stories that in the clubhouse, there would be fish bowls with grainies in them and you just grab a handful on your way out of the clubhouse to the field. Yeah. yeah, there was even one uh, one clubhouse I, I read about. I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently um, in the clubhouse, they had two coffee pots. One was regular coffee and one was coffee with uh, speed in it. <laughs> um, and they have laughing at this. Like these guys yeah. had a serious problem. Yeah. Um, and, and did irreparable damage to their body. Well, and that, that's the crazy thing. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. You know, a few weeks ago we were talking about Jose Canseco, and it's like, man, yeah, steroids—they're bad. I this, guess this is the biggest butt statement you've ever heard. In your life. <laughs> but... Well, I, you know, I look at someone like you—you you guys know I'm on Team Jose. Um, <laughs> I, I look at—I look at that. It's like Jose Canseco, is someone who, like, yes, he was—was was he taking, uh, was he taking steroids? Yes. But he was also, you know, eating well, training well, like doing a lot to like get himself into oh, he was physical yeah. condition. 
where all these guys, this whole like era of baseball, it's just like, we go out, we party, we, we, you know, drink a lot. We smoke a lot. We're up all night. Then we take speed and then we play the game. And it's like, and, and like, you know, Doc Ellis, uh, like he continued to use, uh, uh, speed. He continued to use, he used cocaine, heroin, alcohol, and ended up passing away at 63. And there've been other, other players, obviously who same, you know, similar story. Um, but yeah, like the, the, um, you know, comparing steroids to, um, you know, being hooked on, um, Schedule all, all this yeah it's like uh, i don't know and that's, that case has been made and i completely agree like baseball's always yeah, I, just, I just you i just made that, yeah. and I just it, made that case and I'm I gonna say, I, i've heard it i've heard it better i've heard it better <laughs> oh, oh yeah. come on <laughs> it, the, playing 162 games in 181 days like you know, somebody on the movie made the point, like, you can't tell me that Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig are out there drinking all night and then jumping on a train and coming fresh as a daisy to the stadium to right. play a one o'clock game on a Sunday in the heat. And they're doing that without the help of something. No, Actually, that's they're, they're both dead. Those are yeah, bad good examples. Guys. Right. I'm not talking about doing it now. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, no, they're definitely not doing that right now. Yeah. No. Uh, so, yeah, that's always existed. It has to. It, it, I shouldn't say it has to, but it, it, it's not surprising when you consider how much work these guys are doing in the amount of time that they're doing it. They, for six months, they get 15, 20 days off. 15, right. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Well, and two, this is 50 years ago, you know, when Doc Ellis is playing and it, the sports science has come such a long way, too, that these guys, you know, they're just living it up. They're making tons of money, not nearly as much money as they make today, but they're making tons of money for the time. And, you know, it's pre-social media. You only have certain access to the, the only certain journalists have access to the ball club, you know. And all this, so it's yeah, it's just a wild era. Not to mention that Doc uh, Doc was a good pitcher as well as a crazy guy. I mean, uh, regardless of the drug use, I mean that Reds game where he hit what four or five guys <laughs> in a row. Yeah, Pete Rose leadoff batter and he hit Pete Rose on his fat butt on his said. fat butt, and he just and he. <laughs> the great thing is, I liked his swagger. Because he said in warmups, I walked over to the Reds dugout and said, "I'm hitting every one of you guys." <laughs> no, and it was after, no, it was like even before that, he went into the trainer. That's right. To, that's to get right. warmed yeah. up, and he said, "What's I'm the point? I'm not going to be guys. out there long enough for it to matter." Like yeah. he had a plan yep. from the moment he got to the ballpark. He got through five or six batters, and they finally pulled him, and he and yep. he hit them all. Yeah. Uh, he was also involved, uh, speaking of another short outing, he was also involved as the lead pit, uh, the starting pitcher for that game in 1971 where uh, it was all, uh, and all nine starters were persons of color. That's right, yep. And he, somebody, this made me look it up because the one of the outfielders, I can't remember who, said, uh, 
it wasn't like we went out there and set the world on fire. I think we were down 7-0 after the first inning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was like, they ended up winning 9-7, but I went and looked it up. So yeah, Doc Ellis in that game, I think they sh- even showed it on the on one of the, the illustrations was like, he pitched one in a third inning and gave up five runs. <laughs> yeah, got lit up. <laughs> yeah. And that was, in, yeah, that was in 1971 where he went 19-9. and It was probably the best season of his career. Yeah, the year after is is no hitter, and they won the uh, they won the the championship. But uh, yeah, the he World had, Series. Yeah, the World yeah. Series, the Major League Baseball Championship game. Huh. Uh, series, sorry. Um, so yeah, he had some times where he was a pretty volatile pitcher. He went out oh, there. Yeah, people yeah. were saying. People, some of the stories that guys were saying, are like, yeah, you don't want to meet this guy. He he goes out there to intimidate people. Mm-hmm. Six foot three. Uh, Six foot three had three solid pitches. Oh, yeah. I thought it was one thing I thought was pretty interesting about documentary is they kind of make the case that he so he he kind of saw himself as almost the the successor or heir of Muhammad Ali in Jackie Robinson. That's right. And Jackie and was, Robinson kind of felt like he was the follow-up to him as well. Yeah, that was that was actually one of the most interesting parts of the movie. There's a um, uh, a letter that Jackie Robinson sent uh, uh, sent to Doc, and it said, um, "I read your comments in our paper the last few days. And wanted you to know how much I appreciate your courage and honesty. In my opinion, progress for today's players will only come from this kind of dedication." I'm sure also you know some of the possible consequences. The news media, while knowing full well you are right and honest, will use every means to get back at you. Blacks should not protest, um, as you are. When I met you, I was left with the feeling that self-respect was very important. There will be times when you will ask yourself, is it worth it all? I can only say, Doc, it is. And even though you'll want to yield in the long run, your own feeling about yourself will be most important. Try not to be left alone. Try to get more players to understand your views, and you will find great support. You've made a real contribution. I surely hope your great ability continues. That ability will determine the success of your dedication and honesty. I, again, appreciate what you were doing. Continued success, Jackie Robinson. Um, so, yeah, I think even even um, Jackie Robinson, I mean, obviously um, respected what he was doing. And and it was all, I mean, I think they make the case. It's like, no, he was not coming out there as a crazy man. He, it was it was calculated. He, yeah. he he knew how to work the media to to make a statement. He knew how to use intimidation to, uh, you know, act, you know, act crazy to to intimidate and you know, just psych people out. Um, so, yeah, it was. It was, a, it was interesting. I, I just, when I heard all of that and doing some research about Doc Ellis afterwards, first off, I have so much more respect for him. And he's, it's unfortunate that his legacy is somewhat of a footnote of he's the guy who threw a no-hitter on LSD. Yeah. yeah. When you hear all, all of that, um, made, made me want to go get a jersey of number seven Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> But it made me wonder what he could have done had he been sober. Mm. Um, you know, he, I, I wonder what impact he could have had if he was in the game longer or if he had a higher profile than he did. Like, you know, 1970, he throws a no-hitter. 1971, he wins the Cy Young. I think he won the Cy Young that year. 
1976, he gets comeback player of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was, I think he was almost won 19 games. I think he won 19 games that year with the Yankees. So he had a pretty big profile. And then anywhere he went, when he went to Texas, same sort of yep. thing. He had a great profile. I think he won 10, 10 to 13 games somewhere in there. Uh, don't look at his fit because like he was not a good pitcher. <laughs> right. <laughs> Season right. that he won, uh, especially that '76 season, um, and it just makes you wonder, like, what could he have done if he was able to stick around, or if he had a bit of a uh, bit longer of a career, made more than one All Star game, or if he had just chosen one substance instead instead of them all, <laughs> instead of all of them. Yeah. Well, how long how long do pitchers typically last? too because I, I mean that i feel like that's part of it because don't you like it, it depends it, i mean nolan ryan point, played forever yeah i think he made he made his debut at 22 or 23 and he was out of the league by 34 which is plenty long that's career. pretty good stretch yeah which is it's a pretty good career i don't think anybody's thinking like you're gonna last you're yeah not into the nolan ryan's or the uh, phil necros kind of thing but right uh, you know, some of those seasons, he's he's barely cracking ten wins, right? Um, and some of the, yeah, and some of those seasons were like uh, what, like twelve and eight, or you know, I mean, they yeah. weren't they weren't great. Yeah, and I think um, you know, as bad as this may sound, some of the effects that like a Muhammad Ali had, or a Jackie Robinson, or a Roberto Clemente. Um, was that they were also exceptional athletes. So you couldn't love or hate what they're saying. You could not dispute their talent. Mm-hmm. And I think that it becomes easier to dismiss somebody who's speaking truth when it feels like it's part of a show because they're not as good as, they're, as uh, some of these other players. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. So I... I mean, I think he's overlooked because of some of the the um, stats don't line up with his actual impact in the game, um, and that's unfortunate. And I think he's overlooked because of this, you know, little trivia question of through the no hitter on LSD. Yeah, but still the impact, amazing. The impact after the game was also really interesting. That he pushed for. Um, he became a counselor. Became a drug counselor. Talked yeah. about treatment and and about sober players before they get into the league, while they're in the league, and after they leave. That was really quite amazing too. Yeah, he had quite the life. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. cool guy. No one had anything bad to say about him. No, uh-uh. and that, well, not that you necessarily go out and seek that out when you're making a documentary about a guy, but right. <laughs> about that like every every uh every teammate that they interviewed like this guy's mm-hmm. great he's amazing childhood friends yeah I mean, yeah was, yeah yeah no it was it was a good documentary i think they they did a great job it was uh it was also like it was just a really well done um, it really was um ad rock from the beastie boys did the soundtrack which nice. was in that. yeah he did yeah. all of the the soundtrack and the uh, the original music. Yeah. That's really cool. That yeah. is cool. 
which you can't get it anywhere. Like, I don't know why it's, it's not out, but yeah, I was looking to see if they had the, the soundtrack out, but yeah, it's, uh, nope. I like that. They put that death song in there. Mm-hmm. Freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's good. So if you haven't seen it, no, no, a doc D O C K documentary on Amazon prime. Um, Check it out. I think, I mean, well I was worth it. So far, we have not picked a loser. Uh, <laughs> no. Sir. Sir. <laughs> I, I, I've enjoyed every single one of these movies so far. Hey, what um, are we watching next week? Yeah. What's well, next? You know, I was just, I was just pulling this up. Um, what sport are you guys feeling? What do you think? Uh, we've Cricket? done two basketball. We, two we are in the midst of the NBA playoffs and Major League Baseball is, uh, you know, almost a month in. So that's where, that's where my heart is right now. NBA. Then there's a high flying bird, which is a drama about an agent who wants to disrupt the NBA. Oh yeah. High flying bird. Is that what it's called? Yeah. High flying bird on Netflix. It's by the director of uh, oceans 11 and magic Mike. Yeah. And the writer of moonlight. Right. Wow. Let's do high flying bird. All yeah. right, let's do it. All right, so if you want to follow along, High Flying Bird on Netflix. Oh, Last shoot. time I checked. You don't have Netflix? I do have Netflix. I just can't watch it on my computer. So I'm going to have to find time to get a TV. Why not? Why can't you watch it on your computer? I can't put all this on tape. I can't get into this right now. Oh. You got a phone? Okay. You got an iPad? Guys, I'm not getting into this right now. This is being recorded. Do you have a TV? <laughs> I do have a TV now. <laughs> I, am, I am back on. on I'll the tell TV. you what. I'll I'll start watching it and I'll FaceTime you. Hey, how much time we got left? Yeah, thank you. Uh, really don't have any time, but do what you want. It's quarantine okay, let's rules. Let's talk about Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler uh, pooped himself in the ocean about three weeks ago and it prompted him to get a divorce. What a polluter. And that's basically it, right? That's the whole story, yeah. Uh, April 6th, poops himself. April 7th, Kristen Cavallari uh, files for divorce for some sort of marital conflict, which, I mean, of course, you're wearing, he was wearing pants at the time. What else do you need to know? In the ocean. Yes, pants in, in the pristine ocean. pristine crystal clear water. Of the Bahamas, which they were stuck in because of the quarantine. Oh, I think that's the story. I, I think we covered that. All right. Well, that's it. We did it. We did sports. As always, I want to thank the Minister of Sound, Mikey, Jet Belly Music, the Commissioner, Brandon Casburn, Food Editor, Dennis Chu, and the Honorary Ball Boy this week is? Honorary Ball Boy this week is a retired Major League Baseball player by the name of Andre Dawson that currently finds himself quite busy in his second chapter in life as a a funeral home director in the state of Florida. And business is booming. <laughs> that was kind of a neat story, and then it turned into a sad story. <laughs> uh, that was a hmm, oh. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email us at sports, sports, sports pod at gmail.com with any questions, headlines, or topics you want to discuss, including... Any movie suggestions this week? High Flying Bird. And don't forget to rate us and subscribe. New episodes will be there every Thursday where we will ask, how about some sports? How about it?